Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Lumineers Quest podcast, where we talk everything Lorcana. I'm Zach. And I'm Jacob. And thanks for coming on this journey with us. Okay, so today we were both, like, going nuts yesterday. So today's Saturday. All the, like, massive... Atlantis card news came out yesterday. Which, can I just say it? Atlantis, like my dreams are coming true. Like, 100%. And we'll obviously get into it more, but I, like we both said, Ryan the Last Dragon was like a, you know, supposed to be awesome property, kind of underwhelming. Not, that doesn't seem to be the case for Atlantis. Atlantis is on fire and we'll get into it. It sure, it sure seems to be that for sure. So, yes, we'll get into it. So, today we're talking about. How we th- how we think that Into the Inklands is going to like change the paradigm of Lorcana? And I know, I know, we've said this in the past, but it's a little different, and we'll get into that. I'm sure, I'm sure we did say something similar. We're obviously much more mature in our knowledge of yes, Lorcana. Yes, that's what I, that's a perfect way to put it. And so I think that um, as we continue to learn and to be smarter with the game that's a terrible way of saying that but as we learn and grow like we have this and so anyways that's very long-winded introduction but we're going to talk about into the inklands more specifically how we think that this is going to change the way the game is played because there was a lot of announcements yesterday that were really impactful to the way that the game can and probably probably will be played absolutely so, with that said, um, as always, everyone, thanks for listening, and you know we'll get into the the main topics here in a second. But um, you know, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, you we have the audio versions on all the major podcast networks. We also have the YouTube channel at Illumineers Quest. Um, you can follow my awesome takes at Lorcanapod on X slash Twitter, or you can email us questions slash comments on. Um, uh, Lorcanapod at gmail.com. Wow, I completely spaced sitting there looking at it. Um, and then lastly. Um, we've plugged the TCG player affiliate link a couple times. I'm not going to go into like a huge spill this time. If you are buying singles, Into the Inkland is coming up. If you're buying Into the Inkland singles, Into the Inkland. If you want to buy Into the Inkland singles, <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm clearly off my game. We didn't today. do a rehearsal. No, today, I'm clearly so. off my game. Um, if you want to buy singles, TCG player is the best place to do it. We have an affiliate link in the description for all of our episodes. Um, it very much helps support the podcast, and we appreciate all the people that have done that so far. Um, with that said, uh, card of the week. All right, so I've got an interesting one today, and it might, I, I think it could be out of the ordinary, but I think it goes a little bit into what we're talking to today. Um, and basically, it just goes overall with the idea of the reemergence of Emerald. Um, so the card I have today is The Beast is Mine. Okay, so this yeah. is an interesting card. Because I think... I see where you're going. You see where I'm going. I see where you're going. So there's a three-cost inkable um, action, not a song. Uh, chosen character gains reckless during their next turn. Which, I definitely... Like, I was going through... I ran out of sleeves last week, and I was going through and unsleeving things, and I had those sleeves ready to play with Bell Hidden Archer. So, that's... I mean, I think that was the initial idea, right? I think we've seen that a couple times now where they've like released 
like kind of teaser cards where the the whole process or the whole package hadn't been fully released yet and i think that emerald got its full package released yesterday and so i i thought that this isn't it might not be the front on the front of everyone's minds right now but i think it's an interesting one that a chapter one card that might come back into play i i agree it may be, maybe it's super relevant maybe it's not I think it's very much worth keeping an eye on. Is I think the way I also put it. I think it's one of those cards. Maybe like I think it's similar to like a like a spellbook or something. Maybe it's not something you absolutely need, but I think it adds it adds a a combo factor. Yeah. So the beast is my like you said gives anybody reckless. The one the one downside I'll say is that it's not a song. Like I think if it was a song, like it would be like really really meta next season. I think it would be for sure. Um, I mean. I think I think there's a few ways around it. I think like there's especially in Emerald. I think there's some like cost reduction, in general. Um, yeah, there's a few. I mean, I I, th- I don't know if there's cost reduction. That's more of like an amber thing. The only one I can think of is um, the genie power unleashed. Yeah, and I mean, there, I guess I well, I guess the Mickey um, from Chapter One to the. No, that's just whenever he quests. Opposing, never mind. So yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's a few things that we can get around. But in general, I think you're right. I think it'll be a good one. So, um, reckless is going to be a big topic today. We're, we're definitely going to get into reckless, which is why Jake chose this one this week. I know it's a random one, but I thought it was interesting to, no, to bring I th- it I back. No, I think it, I think it's very relevant to the conversation. So I like, I like that choice a lot. Um. Okay, questions, comments from listeners. We have a deck review, if you will, from a listener. Um, shout out Doug. Thank you for sending your your deck in. Um, he's looking at a one of like the new Tiana style um, kind of empty your hand decks, and then you have the Tiana from uh, from Steel, which. Not, does allows your disallows your opponent from playing an action when your hand is empty. When so when the player's hand is empty. Tiana celebrating princess four costs uninkable and steel. Yes. So when your when your hand when the player's hand is empty, your opponent cannot use action cards. So you know things like be prepared, grab your swords. All of those are not allowed. Um, and this is this has been a pretty popular aggro deck as of late. Um, and specifically, Doug was asking about some issues that he's had beating the discard decks mm-hmm. which can be tough but i you know so there's the decks that i've played with tiana and i played against you this week with that this deck and so you have a t- tiny bit of experience with the two but doug the one thing i'll say is it's you have to have some card draw in there you know i, I like looking through your deck list like you don't have really any card draw and i mean you do have popsicle which i guess gives you a little bit um, but the one thing you have to keep in mind is like, you have to understand what your opponent's playing. And so knowing going into the matchup that your opponent's going to try to discard some cards is obviously step one. And then if they are going that route, like rushing into a Tiana and trying to play into the scenario where you have no cards in your hands probably isn't the best solution because you're just going to end up where you don't have a ton of options, especially in like the Sapphire package that you're playing. You don't have a lot of like heavy questers like you get with the Amber version that I've played with like the Lilo and uh, the Doc options that come with, you know, two lore questing. So my biggest recommendation would be if you know you're playing a discard deck, 
try not to like you know blow out your hand getting to the Tiana and playing into that where they don't have any actions because the discard deck really doesn't play a ton of actions. I think you said it was the the Emerald Steel, which obviously the the steel piece of that does have some item removal, but in general um, they're usually trying to discard your cards through Bucky um, and playing Floodborne characters. So it's not really actions that are the biggest issues with that one. So here's a, an interesting little piece here that I've seen that if you are doing a, um, a Steel Sapphire... Oh, he said Emerald Ruby. Sorry. Emerald Ruby discard. So yeah, I mean... Sorry, you catch out. Emerald Ruby, not Emerald Steel. But go, continue. Okay. Um, so there's a little like interesting little combo I've seen with Sapphire Steel... Um, Tiana decks, and it has to do with Winnie the Pooh having a think. Which he, so where, whenever this character quests, you may put a card from your hand into your inkwell face down. So it is, it's emptying your hand, but you then, but on top of that, you can card draw to try to draw Tiana, right? To get to Tiana. But then you're, you're losing an extra card every turn to try to empty your hand while building your ink. Yep. So it, it's an interesting little combo I've seen. Yeah, I would. I, Winnie the Pooh might not be a bad option. You know, I, it's you have cost. You it's have thinkable. Fishbone Quill in here. That honestly is, I think, is a good is a good you know kind of compromise. If you have any Winnie the Pooh, it might be worth putting in over Fishbone. Mm-hmm. You know, to where if you get to a place in you know your hand where you have a Tiana and you wants to play the Tiana and then go the I don't have any cards in my hand route, then you can you know quest with Winnie. And activate the ability to get rid of it, but you also have a character on board that's questing versus Fishbone Quill. I so that, that yeah, I, I like I like that option a lot. And he did say Emerald Ruby, and so I messed up on that on the Emerald Steel initially. So again, there's not a ton of removal or a ton of actions in Ruby until you get to be prepared. And so I would try to keep a couple cards in your hand, you know, until you get to six or seven ink. And then you can, you know, get to the Tiana game phase and discard everything from your hand yourself and then just quest away. Um, but I, again, I know that's kind of all over the place, but anytime, in general, anytime you're playing discard, the idea is to understand that going into it and not, you know, they, they had, it's a very much a slow burn deck. When you're playing, you know, Bucky and Prince John and something else like turn two, three, four, that's, they're not trying to do anything turn two or three. And so if you can get, you know, get a couple cards on the board and start questing and put some pressure on, then you can do it. But, you know, Popsicle obviously early on helps a bunch too. Um, throwing in a Hiram, if you have any, might be worth it as well to card draw in the situations where you haven't found Tiana yet. So mm-hmm. I would say between Winnie and uh, Winnie and Hiram, you probably have a few little changes you can make to help out there. But there's You need you need to make... I mean, the key to this is pull Tiana, so... yeah. So having here, I'm to draw and to sift through would definitely help. And then, yeah, the, the Cinderella, the knight in training that like draws one and discards one to help mm-hmm. sift as well is, is, is a good play that he already has in there. But, okay, we've, I think I've rambled on about that too much, and unfortunately I don't think I was very concise, but I hope that helps a little bit. Um, and I want to finish because he also commented, he said, we haven't mentioned Bolt yet. I think we, like me and you have mentioned Bolt. Not on the podcast, I don't think though. we have on the podcast. So I'm though, actually, right. like a... I, I love Bolt. I, yeah, I like Bolt a lot. I was a huge Bolt fan when it came out. Um, I For some reason, I don't think of it as a Disney movie. I like when I think of Bolt, I just don't like associate it with Disney. It, yeah, it's a weird one. I don't, I don't, I don't know why, but 
I don't. But anyways, I agree. Bolt would also be a cool one to see at some point too, because I like the animals. I like I like the animal cards. I love the Dalmatian puppies. I love Pongo and all that stuff. So, so it would be cool to see the animals. That era, there's like a little like that timeline of of Disney animated movies was was very interesting because that was like kind of their way of doing like their own version of Pixar almost. It kind of seemed like it, yeah. And I, I forget the exact name, but there was a, a like a pigeon bird movie that was around the same time that they were like army birds. I forget the exact name. I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of it either. I, I watched it like oh quite a bit as a kid. I forget what ah, was it? I'm I'm gonna remember. I don't Hold know. On. Yeah, we'll we'll come back to it, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Bolt's a good one, and we should have mentioned it. So I just wanted to say shout out Bolt as no. well, since we're since we were talking about the stuff from Doug. So Doug, thanks for this. Thanks for the the note. Hope that helps a little bit. Um, but again, it discard is just you. You have you know it's going to be annoying. Yep. So um, okay. So news slash what's on our mind slash week recap. It's kind of the topic of the day. So I think we're just going to jump into it um, because the news is mainly what this episode is going to be about and because there's been so many cool stuff that has been released um as we kind of alluded to at the the start of the episode the main reason we wanted to have this discussion about chapter three again is because we think the way that the game is played will shift pretty drastically we've already talked about locations quite a bit that's going to definitely be a new card type that you have to include in your decks and on top of that, there's a lot of mechanics that are very different from what we've seen before. I think the biggest mechanic changes, and you and I talked about this before we started, that we saw in Chapter 2 was the bounce package in Amethyst, which was a very different way of playing it um, with all of the Merlins and the Mems. And then obviously the resist keyword added a new wrinkle into the system. Well, I mean, the way, the way I, I, I kind of put it in my mind at least is... Chapter 2 added to the meta, this is countering and answering the meta. I, yeah, and, and I think so too. And they've definitely said that. In the dev diaries, in the Discord, where they talk, where you know Steve um, Warner, one of the you know game's creators, I guess. Co-creator, co co-designer. Yeah, co one of the best way to put it. Yeah, designer I think is probably a better term to use. Is said that the first three sets have been made together, and that there's a lot of stuff coming out that has already been planned and locations being one of them, but also that they expect to expected to see control very early on, but are, you know, hoping to see some shift this time. And so I think that a lot of these, you know, nuances that are coming out are going to very much change the way that the game is played. I mean, there's there's some there's some interesting pieces here. Yeah, the only the only other thing I want to note about like chapter two versus chapter one is like the added card draw. I think everybody started to get into the card draw mm -hmm. game, and I mean everybody as in like all the ink types, and you started to see some really unique ways of doing that. I think we're continuing to see that, um, but the biggest thing I think that's changing this time is one we talked about Ursula last time and her ability to remove actions from your opponent's hands. And so that you can't be solely reliant on action cards to get you out of trouble anymore. Um, but two, there's a lot more interesting removal that's coming in there. And so I don't think, in general, the reliance on actions slash songs to do the removal is going to be near as necessary as it is today. So I think, I think challenging um, 
like sheer con decks are going to make a, a big emergence. That's just my little... I think that's a very big possibility too. I think that again, as you know, as you see the the kind of the balance or the scales, you know, shift or move between like really heavy actions to like really heavy characters, then Sheer Khan be- does become more useful. And so, let's get into a couple of these real quick. We'll start with Ruby because we're talking about removal I, and actions. I just want to say this before we get into anything. I I do not think that. Um, prepared is going to be bad by any oh, means. No, no, no. I don't think it ever will be. Um, there's lots of counters to it now in coming in Chapter 3, but I, I just want to preface by saying that I don't think that um, Be Prepared is ever going to be a bad card to have. No, that's and that's probably a good point to start off with. Like All of those things are still going to be very relevant, but up until this point, like if your opponent had Grab Your Sword, like a Tinkerbell, uh, Giant Fairy, shifted on turn 4 and then sings Grab Your Swords... There has not been an answer to that. Like, if you know it's coming, the answer is to just, like, not play any cards so that they don't get removed. Like, that's the option that you've had. Now there seem to be options to proactively try to keep your opponent from being able to do those things. Be prepared is another one of those. Like, you know turn 7 if you're playing Ruby, there's probably an opportunity for your opponent to play Be Prepared and wipe your board. So you have to be in a position where you're okay with that happening whereas now you can proactively keep that from yes. happening yep. so we're talking about ruby a bunch and so like i said let's start with ruby real quick we've already talked about jim hawkins um space traveler in ruby who allows you to play a location for free when he is played um we've talked about moana which is kind of like the amber moana who allows you to ready your characters when she quests in a location um, and now we're getting into a little bit of the card draw and removal of Ruby. So the, and the first Ruby removal that we've gotten, which I think is going to be a pretty fun card to play, is Prince Eric, expert helmsman. So we got Pr- Prince Eric at the helm of the ship that he is, you know, captaining, if you will. Apparently, I've, I've, I've researched a little bit here, but this card, um, just from a lore perspective, has a, uh, a big deal in the story. It sure seems to be that way, yeah. And so he's a four-cost, uninkable card in Ruby, two strengths, two willpower, which actually, in this case, helps him, which is kind of weird, but it, we'll get to that. Yeah. Quests for two, and then his ability is, whenever this character is banished, you may banish chosen character. So this is another one of those like counter tools where... If you play him and your opponent plays Lady Tremaine, then they're just both gone. Yeah. So, um, Teeth and Ambitions is another one. Like, maybe you Teeth and Ambitions, Prince Eric, and then banish a character on their team. And then, since he's banished because of the Teeth and Ambitions, you banish another person on their side. And so, I think the removal gets very interesting from that point. No, the two willpower is fantastic for this. Yeah, it's shocking that we're saying that, but that is the case for this card. Um... So yeah, I think Prince Eric will be a, an interesting one. We have some Ruby removal, which is very Ruby-esque, if you will. Makes a lot of sense for Ruby. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that fits very well into the theme. I think that has the potential to be a really good card. Again, with you know maybe people don't run four Be Prepareds anymore. Maybe they run two and have a couple of these other options in there now to, to supplement. Um, but uh, keeping into the, the Ruby side of things, we have a Vanilla Jim Hawkins... Two cost, inkable, three strength, two willpower, quests for one, um, adding to the Atlantis theme. Whoa. Wait, Atlantis? You mean Trevor Planet? I mean, I, can I ever get that right when I'm talking about it? 
What? Do you mix those movies together? No, I'm not. I'm saying like I always put my foot in my mouth. We talked about this last time. I always just I always just say stuff and I am wrong and but hey, I I, mean, I know it's I know it's Treasure Planet. Milo is Atlantis. I don't get them mixed up. We're on we're Milo good. Fatch, Jim Hawkins. Yes. Yes. Um Della Duck from Atlantis. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding on that one. I'm kidding on that one. I actually didn't didn't get that one. Put my foot in my mouth on that one. So Della Duck, we got another another duck to go with the set. Um the Unstoppable Mom. She's a reckless three three. So that's another like in the Ruby, you know, kind of mm-hmm. removal to go along with your um other reckless characters in there. Two cost uninkable. So Couple uninkables there, but I if you think... don't, if you don't know Della Duck, by the way, I've seen some confusion online. She is the mom of Huey, Dewey, mom, and Louie. Yeah, I almost said that too. Um, and then lastly, with Ruby, we have the Sumerian talisman. Is that right? So this this is interesting from a lore perspective, but you can you can get into this card here. Yeah. So another a Ruby item. Which is more card draw for Ruby, which is mm-hmm. fantastic because Ruby is one of them that definitely needs it. And it says during your turn, whenever one of your characters is banished in a challenge, so specifically in a challenge, you may draw a card. So again, very much in that fighting theme, which again, to your point with Shere Khan, you know, if you have Queen of Hearts slash um, Sumerian Talisman, you could draw two cards. You could potentially draw two cards, and you're really doing a good job clearing board. And so if there's, you know, maybe you're like Ruby Steel where you have, you know, pack tactics and the ability to challenge non or to challenge readied characters, you know, to to keep the board clear. Um, but yeah, I think that that one, it's a three cost inkable as well for the, the talisman. So I think that that one is, could be a Ruby staple as well. Obviously we'll see. And then lastly in Ruby is a vanilla Milo Thatch. It's not, it's not vanilla. I mean, it, it. He has vanilla. Plus two vanilla st- means no. Movie. I know. I know. It's it's plus. He has plus two strength while at a location. So it's not super vanilla, but Milo. Plus, Thatch, this is the first. This is the first Atlantis card we're talking about. Get from some, Atlantis. Get this hyped. one actually is from Atlantis, not get hyped. Atlantis, so. Come on. Um, but we're getting into the, the rest of Atlantis after this. So. I understand, but this is... Come on, Atlantis, people. Get out. So, hyped. yeah. So, that's the last... So, point of Ruby is, again, like, I think Ruby... The biggest shift we'll see in Ruby is less be prepared and more of these other cards that are going to allow you to challenge and get lore from challenging with Shere Khan, like you mentioned, to get cards from uh, challenging like you do with the Talisman and Queen of Hearts and to banish cards when you're challenging... Um, or getting banished yourself, like with through Prince Eric. So I think the point there is is that you're getting a lot of motivation to challenge with the Ruby stuff, which is again right up its alley. Um, where do you want to go next? What what? Let's, let's do Amber. Okay, let's go Amber next. I think the Amber is a relatively quick one. We've talked about the puppies a bunch. Um, the the Dalmatian puppies, where you can have 99 in the deck. That's always really fun. Um, we have a new action. That is a five cost uninkable in Amber, and it says whenever one of your characters quests this turn, gain one lore. And this is called 99 Puppies. 99 Puppies, yes. Thank you. So that's a really cool one on brand. I also think it's a relatively good one. I don't like the uninkable piece of it, obviously, but imagine like turn one through four, you play four characters, and you're in, in a relatively like wide aggro deck, and... Um, your opponent is playing control. You play this turn five. You quest all four characters, and you go from getting like five or six lore to ten or twelve lore. 
Like that could like turn the tides really fast. I think it, it's definitely regard. an aggro piece. Definitely yeah. an aggro piece. Okay, so that's re- that's really the 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 big um, amber kind of like tool. The other two cards we have. This one is a vanilla, but it's not in the sense of its flavor text. Its flavor text is very different. It's an Atlantean. Yeah, Akita um, Atlantean has Atlantean flavor text, but other than that, it is a vanilla, one cost, two, two, quest for one. Best one, two, two in the game. For sure. Um, and then lastly, there's the Heart of Atlantis, which is exert to pay two less for the next character you play this turn. So it's basically a another lantern, it's except it cost. costs four, four instead cost of two, one. and you get two less off of the card instead of one. So um, more reducing the cost of cards like we kind of mentioned earlier. So... Um, I think we, what do we go into next then? That, there, again, there's no, nothing, there hasn't been a ton of Amber yet, and so that's not a, a not a ton to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, but I think that's, again, is going very much down the Amber route. We're kind of assuming Akita Floodborne, or at least I've seen a lot of people online, because the other two, one, two twos and Amber have Floodborne, like their targets for the shift. I you know, you have so. Stitch. And the queen, and so this is the third one. So they, you know, there's a lot of speculation around that. So maybe we'll get that in the future. Um, but sapphire, there's a lot to talk about in sapphire. Of course. So sapphire has a legendary item. The first in the game. First legendary item, which is, which you know, again, I talk about my X slash Twitter takes. The day before the legendary item came out, I posted and I said, "Are we ever going to get a legendary item slash location?" Less than 24 hours later, guess what happened? We got a legendary item. So, hey, I have some hot takes, and sometimes they're right. I I mean, you, you're throwing it out there, that's for sure. Yeah, so anyways, um, legendary item. It's called Lucky Dime. It's a 7-cost uninkable, and its ability is exert for 2 ink, choose a character of yours, and gain lore or gain lore equal to their lore, meaning, or whatever you know their lore count is. And... A couple caveats that I've seen already is like for Tomatoa, for instance, if you have four or five items on the board and he has five or six lore, then you get that much off of it. And so it has the ability to get you a bunch of lore. And before I continue on the the talk about the Lucky Dime, I want to throw in Audrey. Audrey Ramirez, Atlantis, baby. I know. I also want to throw in Audrey because she plays very well with Lucky Dime, and so Audrey is a 5-cost inkable character, 2-strength, 5-willpower, so very much in that line of, like, Jasmine, Aurora, and that 5-cost realm. Um, she has Ward, which is huge to keep her on the board, and then her ability is Spare Parts, saying whenever this character quests, ready one of your items, and she quests for 2. So there's a world where you exert Lucky Dime for 2 ink with Tomatoa or Bell, Strange, but Special, get five ink or five lore from them quest with audrey for two more to ready lucky dime to then do it again and you end up with like 15 and then if bell strange but special can quest herself then you end up with like 17 18 lore in one turn and and you might be asking yourself how how am i getting all this ink to do this how am i building to this well if you were if we're gonna tease it we might as well start talking about that one too there's a new song in amber or gosh man i'm really off my game today there's a new song in sapphire five cost inkable friend like me one of the best arts in the set so far in my opinion i agree genie love the song 
Um, and it says each character puts the top three cards of their deck into their inkwell face down and exerted. And it's five cost inkable. Yeah, so it ramps. It's another massive ramp card for Sapphire, which is huge because you really want to get to seven fast to get the lucky dime out to start, you know, questing away with your characters. And then obviously you want to get to 10 with Ariel. Man, I'm off my game with Belle to Whew. get to get to the 10 so that she quests for five with the lucky dime and then you you know you're bada bing bada boom game over even if you're at like seven um so i i I, so again i think the ramp from sapphire is continuing to show you know we talked a ton about in chapter one that the ramp was overrated and we said that at the time because there just wasn't any card draw options really in sapphire and so you really tended to burn yourself out pretty quick trying to ink so much um, now through the Hiram package and Popsicle and a few of the other cards that replace themselves Should within Sapphire, uh, you yeah you, you can really draw at the rate that you're inking, and so you can continue to ramp and draw to like really put pressure on to get to that ten ink to to just put tons of lore pressure on them. You so, can get all your pieces on the board pretty fast. So again, as we talk about, do I think Lucky Dime will be like the most played card of all time? Probably not, because again, it's seven cost, uninkable. There's a high tax to have that in your deck. You know, if you get it early, you can probably just fishbone and quilling it away. That being said, with fishbone quill, you can just you know it becomes inkable, mm-hmm. and so it's not you know it being uninkable isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, but the lines where you get fifteen ink. Our 15 lore in one turn is going to be bonkers. It's going to be massive. Um, and then lastly, there's a Tinkerbell card, which is 5 cost inkable, 3 strength, 4 willpower, quests for 2 that her ability is whenever one of your items is banished, you may put it into your inkwell face down and exerted. So, you know, if you're playing against somebody that's trying to do a bunch of item removal with a Benja or something along those lines, you can use Tinkerbell to put that into your inkwell versus it just getting banished. So again, more ramp, you know, that's very much in the flavor of chapter one and two. Mm-hmm. The big paradigm shift for Sapphire, I think, again, maybe I'm really wrong in this. This is a hot take, but I think Lucky Dime could be very good. You know, it again, like if you imagine you play something after it, like the reason I think it could be good is because you play Bell like turn after Lucky Dime. And so even though Sheep herself can't quest yet, you can still get the lore from Bell because Absolutely. of Lucky Dime. Absolutely. So that's why I think it has the potential to be crazy. No, I agree with that. Anything to add or I mean, you know what's honestly on my on my mind from all these reveals? Where's Amethyst? Nothing. I has, has there been one yet? Okay, the sorcerer's hat. We have the sorcerer's hat and, and Mama, Mama Odie, Odie, which is Mama Odie's a really old one. And Sorcerer's Hat, we kind of talked about it, and it's kind of like, eh, but... Like, as a Amethyst being my favorite ink, where is it? Like, I don't know. I guess balance is all they're giving us. I, you know, I imagine something, some, there's some more Amethyst shenanigans to come up. Um, but, okay, let's get into the rest of Atlantis. Sounds like we're done with Sapphire, and then we can get to, get to Emerald real quick, and then we can like kind of take a step back and mm-hmm. like do some more um, high-level talk. So... We have a vanilla Milo Thatch, vanilla, but he is a shift target. Are you just gonna wait? Are you just gonna skip over Helga, Helga Sinclair, in steel? Are you not even gonna talk about? Come I mean, we have a Helga Sinclair that's a three cost inkable challenger. She's gonna add to the hook, Prince Eric. 
now Helga this, line. This this is Atlantis, dude. Come on. This is a big cast of characters we're introducing. I understand. I understand that there's... But we're trying to talk about the bigger themes, not just every single card. I'm just I'm just saying, though, when are we getting a mole? We need a mole soon. Yes. Yeah. That's all I'm asking. We don't have them, but continue, sir. Milo Thatch, <laughs> clever cartographer, is the one cost, two, two, one lore, vanilla from Emerald. But we also got... Our first Atlantis legendary, which is the legendary Milo Thatch, King of Atlantis. Seven cost, uninkable, shift four, so that's huge. It's Floodborne. Um, four, four, strength and willpower, quests for three, with the ability, when this character is banished, doesn't say in a challenge like some of the ruby cards, but whenever this character is banished, return all opposing characters to their player's hand. So, you can clear a board. So, and keep your cards on the board. So does this? How does this work with be prepared? That's a good question. So does this? I would imagine. Oh, I don't know. We'll ha- we'll have to get a reading. If if somebody knows, let us know. But we'll have to get a ruling review on that one because I don't know. Because do they all get banished or do they go back to the hand first? I don't know. So like, would, which one activates first? Would would this be helping your opponent if they play be prepared? Because they're... It could. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, we'll, I we'll get to, Yeah, we'll get to that one. But that's definitely a good point to make. But the the point is, is like, you know, if you shift him in and challenge and banish, then you're... It's basically a one-sided be prepared because all your characters or all your opponent's characters go back to their hand. And so it's very much in the bounce, you know, different type of bounce mm-hmm. than Amethyst, but very much in the bounce shenanigans that you have with like Genie on the Job um, and Mother Knows Best from Emerald. Because it's very much on clearing out your opponent's side of the board. And so I think that one is a huge one. We were talking about this before we started as well. I think there is a lot of potential there. Again, we have to look at the whole Emerald package to really understand if this is going to be good or not. This one is uninkable, unfortunately. So we're getting into some of the Emerald uninkables. But I th- there's there's a lot of potential there. I'll mm-hmm. say that. There's a lot of potential there. Um, okay, and getting into Lyle... The last big emerald card we want to talk about. Lyle Rourke. Uh, he's a 2-4, uninkable, 3 cost. He has two abilities, and he quests for one. So his first ability is in the in the same vein as Prince John. Um, whenever you play this character, you, opposing, you choose an opposing character next turn, and they gain Reckless. So it's keeping your, you know, an opponent from questing, and they have to challenge in. Think Bell, Hidden Archer think the beast is mine like we talked about and then secondarily um whenever one of your characters is banished each opponent loses one lore and it does not include him whenever one of your other yeah your other characters is is banished so that's a big one um so again like in the realm of milo maybe milo goes in shifts in challenges gets banished with lyle on the board you know their whole their whole hand their whole board goes back to their hand and they lose a lore like that could be crazy. I I like this a lot. Um, I I like Lyle a lot too. And so we were talking about the beast's mind. We have to bring Bell Hidden Archer into this discussion again. We thought there was potential to for her to be big with John Silver in Chapter Two. Mm-hmm. I think that this adds to the um, like the threat. Well, I, I think what, what makes this such a big deal is that it's answering the Ruby meta. I, I think that that's where like this is such different because it's it's 
dragon fire. It's countering dragon fire. It's countering be prepared. It's countering all these things that are are meta relevant. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's a perfect way of putting it. And then before we move on, I, I last but certainly not least is morph, who's a two cost inkable. So that's a big one. Being inkable, two strength, one willpower, and he's basically ditto for our Pokemon fans out there. What? What? That's all you're going to give him? The 13th legendary of chapter 3, Morph? <laughs> you're already getting on that board, that bandwagon, huh? The 13th legendary. So so did you go through the stats? I don't remember. Did you? Yeah, I just, I, just, I just did, but you were too busy. And his ability, I said he's basically ditto. His ability is he can be a shift target for any character. And I think that's very, I don't want to say paradigm shifting because it's not like the most massive card of all time, but it does create a huge, like... I don't, I don't know, like, kind of iffiness to what your opponent can do next because depending on what card you're playing, the first thing that I thought of was, like, Heroic Outlaw. You know, Heroic Outlaw has lost a lot of steam in Rise of the Floodborne, but with Morph, Heroic Outlaw, if you're playing Ruby, could always be a threat because you could, you could you know, it's not just Aladdins that are an issue. It could be Morph that's an issue. It could be Aladdin that's an issue. Like, you don't know what's coming with Morph. And so that, you know, it it's a shift target for all your Floodborns. And so he very much goes in a Floodborne deck with, like, your Bucky, potentially, if, if everything works out like that. If you have more tools for controly type decks or mid-range type decks. Um, so, yeah, the Shenanigans and Emerald continues to go um, with Ursula that we talked about last time, who, quick recap has the ability that says when the, when you play this character, chosen opponent reveals their hand and discards a song card of your choice. So again, you have the ability to discard a lot of the hard direct damage from Steel, a lot of the direct removal from Ruby, um, which is why we think some of those actions might see a little bit less play this time. But okay, that's all the cards. That's a lot of shenanigans. It's a lot of new, awesome, cool stuff. So give me your your thoughts on like what the what the game's going to look like going into chapter 3. So I think like I think a lot of these pieces so far cuz I'm I'm I think I'm going to be more hesitant cuz I don't want to, you know, get ahead of myself here because we don't know everything yet. No, this is all with a grain of salt. This is all what we're thinking at this point in time, so. Um, but I think like, I think there's lots of these are lots of nice support pieces like to other pieces we already have in the game. Like, like a Lucky Dime, you know? It, it plays into uh, Strange But Special Bell. It plays into Tamatoa. And, like, I think cards like that are nice. And then, like I've been saying, um, Milo Thatch and, and Lyle um, play into kind of countering the Ruby meta. And I, I think, overall, that's that's a really nice change of pace for, like, especially a underwhelming ink and emerald in the past. Yep is able to you know it's it's got something else going for it now besides this card like it, it's got something that is actually actively countering yeah um, and, and you know and the, the biggest thing that i thought of with like the milo and the lyle like kind of line that you're talking about is that you have the ability to like banish yourself if you want you know like imagine playing milo and again teeth and ambitions uh and you you know just put both of them on him where he's the one banished, and so your opponent loses all their cards because you were proactive about it. So I, I think that there's very creative ways now to to remove cards and to get out of sticky situations. I think up until this point, the only real way to get out of like late game sticky situations 
has been be prepared. And and so there's that's like the main way of of removal usually is is by banishing. And if that's the case, if these if Milo and and Lyle become meta, there is a a interesting card that comes back into play. I I believe in a in a way it is not being used currently, and that is uh, Yzma Scary Beyond All Reason. Okay. So Hit us with it. when you play this character, shuffle another chosen character card into their player's deck. That player draws two cards. So you're able to remove a Milo. You're able to remove a Lyle without banishing them. Which I think is now obviously your your opponent is drawing two, but let's say like you need you need a like Lyle's on the board, right? And you've got you've got, I don't know, four or five cards on the board, and you need you just that's a, a big lore change for a B-Prep, if you have a B-Prep. Yeah, if they B-Prep, you're bored with five characters on it. They lose five lore, or four lore, if Lyle's one of them. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a, a big deal. Like, that's a, that's I agree. a, a big change. So, in, in, yeah, in, in my mind, the, the shift here, we haven't even talked about locations this time. Like, obviously, locations are going to be a really, really new way of playing the game that could either slow the speed down depending on the location or speed the game up depending on the location you know and so there the, the change of the pace of the game could change very much i think this time there's a lot of tools for aggro side which there hasn't been a ton up until this point i think there's some definite control tools as well um but i i just i think that the the threats that you're going to have to look out for are going to be very different than they have been up until this point again the the biggest threats have always been songs you know i i like i don't know of anything that like scares me as much as be prepared or it scares me as much as like grab your swords plus tinkerbell when playing steel you know there, there's just not many things that can do as much damage to you as those songs mm-hmm. and now there's a lot of options that are going to keep those songs from happening, that are going to create a lot of opportunities to remove characters from the board that haven't been there before, you know, from banishing your own characters, from removing your own characters, losing lore, you name it. I think that there's continuing to be shifts, pun intended, in the way that the game is going to like play itself out. And then again, I started with locations, but I didn't finish with locations. And locations, locations, locations. And it's all in Emerald at the moment. All of the... the, the uh song countering at the moment yeah and and again i think that plays into the uh the emerald shenanigans but you know ursula's inkable the flotsam jetsam we talked about last time are both inkable um we did get some uninkable this time with lyle and milo um plus bell hit an archer from this you know from rise of the floodborne which says your opponent has to discard their whole hand if she's banished in a challenge and so again i think with the recklessness of lyle Plus the Bellhead and Archer, plus John Silver. I think there's a lot of you know synergies there. Um, you still have to be very cognizant of the amount of uninkables that you're putting in, though, because you know Lyle being uninkable, Milo being uninkable, Bellhead and Archer being uninkable. There's still a lot of I think you know you have to be very precise with that tactic that you're wanting to use. But yeah, I, you know we're really early on in this, and the hype is definitely real. But I think um, the potential has has never been higher with this set and i'm definitely as hype as i've ever been with this set no i think for sure i mean obviously locations is not the only new like game changing thing we're getting i don't think um and maybe that's a little too early to say but i think that there are a lot of other 
pieces coming into play now, and not not these being the only ones. I'm sure there will be other ones coming down the, sure. the pipeline here. I mean, we're getting we're 39 cards into a 200 card set, and we're getting close to the to February here, which is release month. Um, yep. So we're getting super close. I think now is the the time that they're going to start revealing these on a um, pretty frequent. Well, with the amount that they did yesterday, yeah, it's going to be a frequent basis. I mean, let me let me check here. We might have new cards as we speak. I don't think they do on the weekends. Do they not do weekends? No, I don't think they do on the weekends. But the last here, the last point that I'll make, and then we'll wrap this one up, is you know, initially when we saw the location reveal and they started talking about Into the Inklands, I was like, man, they're really changing the game really quickly. Mm-hmm. After this chapter two has played out and we've continued to see that there's been basically the same meta um for you know the entire time that lorcan has been out i know that there's been a lot of stuff in the the recent weeks that have really popped up with some of the steel tiana stuff and the mufasa decks and a little bit more different aggro like there's definitely a variety but the still the dominant forces are Steel Song and Ruby Amethyst. And so with all these changes, I'm really, really, really hoping that this is just a blanket shift in the meta. And really, to, to prove your point even more there, like the reason all these new decks are popping up is because people are bored. That's the reason these are popping up. Because they're not... They're very combo-based. They're very niche. The reason those are happening is because people are getting bored with the meta. I think it was... Uh, yeah, I think it initially there were a lot... Like the Mufasa came up to try to c- counter Ruby Amethyst. Um... But yeah, in your point, I think that there's just a lot of like counter Ruby Amethyst, which is tired of the meta. I don't want to play Ruby Amethyst, and I'm tired of playing against Ruby Amethyst, and so I need something that counters it. But to your point too, like I still have yet to like find a deck that I like love playing. I had one in Chapter One. I never had the cards to actually play it in person because it ran Rapunzel and Surfer Stitch, mm-hmm. and so I never actually got to do that one. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm still like, I, I've said I'm going to be a green red player or an emerald ruby player going into next season. We'll see if that holds up or not. But I'm, I'm super excited. I think that the, the shift and what's going to be strong in the overall metagame is going to change a lot. And I really hope that's the case because to your point, I'm kind of tired of balance and ruby amethyst. I, I think that's the main thing too. I think there's a enough changes on the horizon. They're to, very well could to help. Yeah. So I, yeah, I agree. Okay. I think that's all I got for this one. Man, I mean... I feel like we blazed through it, but we're 45 minutes in and we're at the end of the episode. I mean, we went through a lot of cards. Yeah, we went through a ton. It's just there's... I, like, my mind is going so quick because it's it's just so exciting. There's so many cool new cool things coming. I mean, you've got this organized play. I mean, just... It's a great time to be a Lorcana fan. It is definitely a great time to be a Lorcana fan. Um, yeah, I, you know, we said we wouldn't talk about Chapter 3 a ton, and I feel like we are, but... Well, now we are eventually. Yes, it took us time, but it's it's. I, I I like I said we wanted to talk about it this time because it was very much in the realm of like how this is going to change versus just like here are all the mundane facts about these cards, which we did a little bit. But the point is, is that we are very hopeful that this is going to be a a big paradigm change to the way that the game like plays itself out. Which Absolutely. I th- I think you know there's a lot of cards in there that make you lose lore, so it could extend games from that way. Anyways, I'm rambling now. Um, it's all good. Any last, any last comments? I'll let you wrap it up. Thirteenth legendary. Wait. Morph. 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 I morph is gonna be a fun one. I'm on board with morph. Morph's cool. I I don't think he's gonna play it at all. To be completely honest. Oh, I think he will. I I hundred percent. I he's he's inkable. 
if he dies right away with Lyle on board, you get you your opponent loses lore from him, and so like again, like you get a bonus for losing him. No, I I, mean, I understand the the attraction there, but I don't think he's gonna get played. I think he gets played. Well, I, mean, we'll, I hope he does. Okay, we'll, we need to mark this. We need hold us accountable here. Jake's on that he doesn't get played. I'm on that he does get played. Bandwagon. We'll we'll check back. I mean, in I like, hope he does. We'll check he's back in like six weeks and see how this goes, but. Um, Anyways, everyone, thanks again for listening. Uh, appreciate all the support on the videos and the podcast and the, the affiliate links and everything. Um, if you have any questions about Chapter 3 or anything you want us to cover going into the new split, um, please let us know. And as always, thanks for listening. All right, thank you guys.